Hi, it's Pete Price. I'm in the middle of Liverpool and I'm very excited to talk to a lady by the name of Anne Chamber. And she has got a thing called I Stay Liverpool. My question is, who's Anne and what is I Stay Liverpool? Simple question, but I think you're going to find the answers quite interesting. It's Pete Price. It's my podcast. Hello, Anne. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? Who is Anne? Oh, I'm 50-year-old, mum of three, um, business owner, wife, sister and daughter. How did it start? Who are you? Where did it come from? Because you're a powerful Liverpool woman who has made a great name for herself and nobody walks on Anne. Who is Anne? Where did you come from? Okay, so originally um, I used to work in a sales agency for many years and then I had the kids. Um, Kids were quite young uh, at that time and I was working five days a week, six days a week. Got involved with a lot of sort of property developers and just seen the city change. 2008, City of Culture, we see massive changes in the city and we started to see a lot of people coming to visit the city and I think what we had then was quite a few hotels we didn't have a tremendous amount of accommodation that could look after group stays, so groups of people, groups of five, six, seven, eight, ten, all of that kind of stuff. So I had seen an opportunity in between them. Um, let, me, let me stop you there, because that's a great point you made. Mm-hmm. I've said many times that 2008 was the turning point Catalyst. for Liverpool without Catalyst. any shadow about. It wasn't the greatest place, was it, before that? We've always loved Absolutely Liverpool, but not. we had mega problems with hotels, restaurants. Describe Everything. what it was like. I think, you know, I was born in 1973, so I can remember growing up and even as a child thinking... This is slightly grim. We don't seem to have a lot of investments, everything. You know, typically we, we would all lived on council estates and you did what you had to do. And we all got paper rounds and all kinds of jobs. And I wanted to leave school. I wanted to make money. And I think that just prior to 2008, the excitement that was building up in the city, you could tell something was about to significantly change in this city. And of course, we, we won the capital of culture. And the changes um, were immeasurable, really. And I think the amount of visitors that came to the city and the investment that started coming to the city, people started to believe, well, this is a place we need to visit. And and more often than not, Pete, um, you will talk to people that have never been to this city when they leave the hotels and they're amazed. They cannot quite believe they haven't been here before. The looking around at our architecture, you know, the friendliness, the people, the sport, the music, everything else that we have to offer. We've got so much more than that. And they're amazed and they're like, wow, I didn't realise Liverpool was going to be such an amazing place to come. So we became a big destination and 2008 was really the catalyst for that, unbelievably. We've also had a stigma we've had to kill. Mm. I was a comic. I used to do the gags about leaving your car outside and the wheels gone. We've had to lose that stigma. And I think we've now got there, haven't we? I think that there was always going to be a kind of narrative. Liverpool was never a city that was going to behave in a way that, you know, it was dictated to. We were always going to find our own way. And I also think that the people of this city actually pulled us out of that sort of, you know, the doldrums we were in 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 the 70s and there was very little jobs and, you know, kind of we built, the the people of the city, they all built businesses and when people didn't want to invest, we invested in us and we made those business opportunities happen. So I think that 
the narrative had to change and you know we took it more seriously you know more often than not i could be in a meeting in london and someone will say something you know um that you would hear in the 80s about liverpool and it's kind of annoying now because you think hang on have you been to our city you know kind of you need to come to our city before you talk um about it like that because it's a fabulous place and if you just look at the evidence um the safety in the city and you know how people feel when they do visit you know you can't you can't question how people feel when they've been here but just going back to kind of um when the kids are oh, luke oh luke my middle son was seven and i was working in a state agency and he was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes which was completely out of the blue rushed into hospital and um at the time um, he got taken, he come out of hospital, started to learn how to inject him and all of that. And he was a, a young child and he wasn't covered in the schools for being looked after. Now, given the fact that type 1 diabetes with a child, if you don't inject them within 24 hours, they can be in a coma, they can be dead. It's, it's a very serious illness. So I went to the schools, I went to the council and I said, you know, we can provide training with Alder Hay, we can have all of this. And there was a few rolled eyes in the school, you know, we don't particularly want to do this. And I said, but, you know, you have to look after him just as you would look after a child that is maybe coming in a wheelchair. It's the same thing. But he wasn't covered. And type 1 diabetic children weren't covered under the Disability Discrimination Act. I had to leave my job. Um, had to go into the school and inject Luke three or four times a day, test his blood sugars. And we literally had nothing. It was a single mum. We um, ended up living in a homeless shelter on Belvedere Road. And um, it wasn't the best time of our lives. It was horrendous. But I said to the kids at that point, watch what your mum does. Watch what I do. I got together with a group of um, mums and dads and Diabetes UK. We um, did a lot of work and we marched on the House of Lords with a guy called Lord Nash. And we managed to change the law under the Children and Families Act that every type 1 diabetic child had to be covered under the Disability Discrimination Act and had to be careful in schools and not discriminated against and could go on school trips and be catered for just like any other child with a disability. And it was a it was a kind of um, a brilliant moment, not just for me, but for Luke, because I said to him, this is not acceptable, what's happening, you know, that you can't go on this trip or you can't do that. And, and What were you living on then? Um, virtually nothing piece at that point. It was just a case of literally looking after Luke, making sure he's injected, picking him up. And when you're a mum of a, of a child with type 1, and lots of people will know if they've got children with type 1, you obsess, everything, you're obsessed about it. Everything's a calculation. What they eat, how many carbs are in that, what injection does he need to counteract that. He's playing football, so what do I need to take off that injection to, to kind of counteract? So you're, you're hev so heavily involved in that, we literally had nothing, and it was a real low point for me. So you put your life on hold for your child I had to. in every had to. way. All your ambitions, everything went out had the to. window. Had to, and literally, you know, from a very, very basic level, I had no income, and at that point, that was never been the case. I'd always worked peace, and it was it was such a low point to walk into that place, you know, at the homeless centre. And for me, that had never been my life. But I had to walk in there and I had to say, right, okay, this is where we are. Let's spill from here and let's move on. And in the end, I ended up doing all kinds of lessons in there with lots of the people and stuff. And um, I think it was Chinese New Year. It's my 40th birthday, actually. I spent my 40th birthday in there. So you were late going into business? 
Well, I'd always work for companies. Yeah, but you were late going, going into, into business, being yeah. who you are. Yeah. And so then, how long did that take from when you found out about your son's mm. illness? How, how many years did you put on hold? Okay, so it was a couple, it was a good couple of years. It was about two and a half years, really, of getting him sorted to the place he needed to be. Maybe two years, and then I started to build. I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do something here. And I put the heels on, I did the head, and I thought, what would I do? I marched down Smithdown Road, and I knocked on all the estate agents' advice. Okay, I've got a cleaning company. Um, give me all your contracts. At that point, I didn't have one cleaner, but I marched in there and I said, right, give me all your contracts. All of a sudden, all this work's coming in. So I've got all these girls, and we're all doing all of this work. And then we started getting contracts to do cleaning in hotels. So... I realised how these hotels were working and I kind of very quickly watched kind of the amount of people going in, the visitors coming into Liverpool and I thought, right, okay, there's an opportunity here and someone I knew had a property on Rodney Street and I said to him, I want to do something with it. He said, right, okay, we'll agree a deal. You do what you want to do. I'm going to turn it into a group stay accommodation. I'm going to take a risk. Um, started to take the risk and the next thing you know, it's booked up every single weekend 40 girls from Doncaster or Manchester or London, wherever. And it started to grow. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Pete, we, we had... It was the funniest thing. We had this little car that my mum had lent me. It was... At, um, the kids called it the Hot Wheels. It was a little micro, 20-year-old micro. And the kids would be in the back of the car doing the homework and whatever, and be running here and there. And it was 10 o'clock at night sometimes. It wasn't ideal. But I said to the kids, watch what your mum is going to build. And... Um, Let me stop you there yeah. and say... Right, so you've got the idea, yeah. you've gone along, the cleaners, you didn't even have them. No. You, you bluffed, you bluffed. Yeah. How hard at the beginning was it for a woman in a man's world? Um, I think... And you're a powerful woman. I think for me, I've never really taken no for an answer when I'm determined. And for me, it was a case of, I'm just going to do this. I don't really care what you say to me. You can you can shut the door, you can close the door, I'll go knock on another door. If you knock on enough doors, one will open, Pete. And I've got a work ethic that I'm super proud of. It's one of the things that I would say, and I've always been proud of, and my kids always mention it, is my work ethic. I will not stop until we get the, you know, the right answers. And there were lots. That we, we got this contract on this, this group of hotels for the cleaning, and, and this guy was a particularly not a particularly nice person. And he, I went to get my invoices paid and I said to him, you know, pays me invoice. He said, oh, I'm not paying you. I said, oh, right. I said, I think you'll find you are. No, I'm not paying you. Not paying you. And I, this guy had had a reputation. And I walked out and I thought, you'll regret that I won't. And to this day, um, he lost a lot of his hotels and I picked up three of them on the way back. And I just started to build... Um, I looked well, before at... You, before you well, build, let's stay yeah. there as well. Okay. Now, you talk about work ethic. Yeah. I'm a lot older than you. Mm. I come from the school also yeah. of work ethic. Yeah. Nobody has given me anything, Absolutely. and certainly no one's given you. Where and how are we going to change the work ethic of today? Because there's many people. I think furlough and the pandemic mm -hmm. caused major problems. I also, and please use this podcast, because I'm talking to Anne about I Stay Liverpool, and use this podcast to put the message over. 
I think the British people in general don't realise how much money they can make being in service, if you want to use that word, mm -hmm. or working in hotels. Catering was my industry. Yeah. Let's open this can of worms, because mm -hmm. it is. What did you feel about the pandemic, and what do you think about furlough? The pandemic was just a moment. I actually thought, this is going to be over in two weeks. We're all going to have two weeks in the garden, sit in the jacuzzi that we'd all bought for 300 quid, and we could have sold for 1,500, <laughs> you know, and, and we're all going to go back to work. And I'd actually just signed a lease, a 10-year lease on a building, I think at least, I don't know, £25,000 a month. On the 1st of March, we went into lockdown on the 23rd of March. And I sat there and I thought, wow, what am I going to do here? I've got these hotels and, you know, um, the staff and everything. And I just literally held my head in my hands and I said, well, realistically, it's out of my hands. Um, I'd heard stories on Twitter about nurses terrified to go home. And I've got a, an apart hotel just on the corner here on Water Street. And a couple of people have contacted me directly and said, look, have you got anywhere to stay? I'm terrified of taking this horrible disease home um, to my mum, my dad, to the children. And I said, right, okay, have the hotel. Take the hotel, took the chains off the hotel, have it for free, live in there, go in there, use the washing machine to change, go and see your family for a weekend, do whatever you wanted. So for me, there was a little bit of peace to know that these buildings weren't just chained up, sitting there rotting, people were actively using them. Um, and I just started to plan. And I looked at some of the things around hospitality that were costing us as an industry really heavily. And one of the things was how we actually gain customers. So we utilize OTAs, we use, you know, your kind of booking.coms, your Airbnbs, all of those things. And I kind of sat at home and I thought, I have to do something while I'm in this house. I find it difficult to sit still. I have to be doing something. So I started to put together a design of something I've been working on for three years. I build my own OTA, so my own version. Your own what? My own version of Booking.com. On social media? No, 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 no. I put the software together. I built the software, put a team together. We are opening offices in Liverpool um, and offices in the Middle East. And we're going to go after... The, but you, you, you like to see your Booking.com. They can take nearly up to 30% of your booking. So our margins as hoteliers and in hospitality are getting squeezed continually. Yeah. Electricity prices... Um, the margins of booking.com, all of those things. So I thought, okay, what can we do to push back here? So I thought, right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a software. I'm going to launch a global booking system. And of course, by that point, I'm married and my husband just looked at me and thought, oh God, here we go again. What are you doing now? And I said, it makes sense. It's, it, it's problem, solution, and that's how I work. We're paying nearly 30, 40% sometimes of our revenue to these booking systems that really don't have the time of day and in the pandemic piece i remember airbnb said as a value customer that i've given us hundreds of thousands of pounds we're going to send you a present they sent us a water bottle speechless water bottle piece i thought i'm getting something fabulous i opened the package i went they sent me a water bottle you know you've just yeah. what's disappeared from your booking system is half a million pound worth of bookings in a, in a couple of weeks mm and you sent you the water bottle. So let's stay there as well. What I love doing when I do these podcasts mm. is going on this journey with you. Yeah. So people don't realise when they pick up Booking.com yeah. or Airbnb, yeah. the money's that taken out of yours, like credit cards were years yeah. ago. So you are still tied. So I might think you're getting too much money for that room, but in fact, half that's going to Good this, that, yeah. half... Um, so... You aren't as rich as people think, plus Absolutely. the pandemic. You've given that all for free, 
Um, you must have worried. I was absolutely stressed and I had meetings. Some of the leases on the buildings I had are like 20-year leases and stuff. And I met up with um, some of the owners of the big buildings. And bear in mind, all of mine are city centrepiece. These are quite magnificent buildings in the city, so it costs quite a lot of money. And I just decided to meet it head on, sit down and say, look, this is where we are. What can we do? And in terms of what have we got to pay back over this period where we've been in lockdown, what can we sit down and do? And, and I met it head on and we sorted out our deals and kind of stuck with it and moved on. And yeah. from that point, it stood us in good step because also I think um, the pandemic, if, if there was one thing it did, it made us not to take anything for granted. Customers, bookings, life relationships love all of that it made us super focused and think well actually what is real and what's important so that was one of the benefits i think very few benefits of the pandemic but at that point i started building the global booking project and i got excited and i thought wow i told a couple of people and they were like oh you can't really take them on and i said why not <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I said, "Hi, ma'am." But, but but for me, it was sim- so simple. Piece here's the problem: these these booking systems are charging us up to thirty percent. We're getting very little back. This. She's banging the I'm table banging the with table. excitement. Sorry, Sorry. Uh, and, and they're, they're taking the, these large amounts of money. Right? What if I can make this global booking system and I can charge ten percent? The hotels kick back. They've got more profit. They can pay the staff more. You can attract more staff that we lost in the pandemic because they were worried about their job security. We can pay those staff more. We can make sure that we stay afloat. We can stay in business. And we are three months from launch of a global booking system based in Liverpool. The tech centre based in Liverpool. The administration, the finance centre, all based in this city. And it's super, it, it, it's super exciting. Well, really that looks, that's it. we'll come back and talk yeah. about that again because that's going to be great to talk about. What about work ethics? of a lot of young people. I think... And I, be honest. I think, yeah, I think the pandemic, afterwards we lost a lot of... And also, you know, kind of coming out of the European Union, we lost a lot of great staff that had years of experience in hospitality. And there's no doubt about it, you can speak to loads of companies and they'll say the same. And for me, um, I've still got the core team that I had P5 years ago, six years ago. They stay with me. Because we like working together with a great team. And we've had people in, you know, and and not so much even just younger people. Peace. I've had people in that kind of, they'll do a day or two's work and they'll never turn up again. And and you can understand the job security. The pandemic blew it apart for hospitality. There was no job security. It was the first thing that went, wasn't it? You know, building sites were still working. Um, offices were based from home. Hospitality was just blown away. But I do think there is a certain core of young people that have also realised in the city from a positive point of view, they can be business leaders. They can own that business. They don't have to work. They can build their own businesses. There are certain types of people in this city that are just like, and there always has been, and I think 2008 was the catalyst. We can do this. We may not have the investment. It may be a tougher road, but watch what we do. And I think particular in women, I see it a lot in women these days in the city. I'm excited about the attitude of some young women and women my age are just saying, no, do you know what? We're going to do this. I'm not going to be told now. So it's not a man's world anymore. I, I doubt it. No, please. 
And if you'd ask my husband, he'd absolutely say no. <laughs> I think, I think no, I think those days are over. I think that we can, I don't concentrate on that. I really don't. You know what I concentrate every single day on? Is making sure we achieve the objectives of that day, of that day but even do that little bit more. Or like last night, I was sitting at home and he goes to me, you know, are you going to turn that off? Are you going to finish now? I went, no, I've just got a little bit more to do because I don't procrastinate. Procrastination and just putting things off is not for me and it's not where we need to be. We just need to do that little bit more. And there's a balance to be had, I know, 100%. But I just think we've also, particularly as a woman, got a certain responsibility on our shoulders to say to the younger girls, you know what? Watch what we do. Watch what we do. We can do this and you can do it. And I'm quite proud to be surrounded by quite a few powerful young ladies. Um, one of the girls who works for me, Kia Smith, she's been a BDM for in the city for quite a few years. I think Kia's 32. She, I've just made her managing director, one of the youngest managing directors of a hotel, hotel chain in the country because she's capable. She's powerful. She you wants to do it. You mentioned your hotel chain. Yeah. What is the basis and the plan tell us why you're doing so well what is the the structure what is the mm. what happens when i go through okay. the door so with i stay liverpool it started off as group travel so what we do very well we look to we, we aimed to be at the higher end of the market so if you want to come with a group of people 10 of you we can put you in a huge apartment. You've got a really great space where you can all kind of socialise. Um, it's very safe space. Um, we operate at the higher levels of kind of safety. We've got, you know, kind of guards on all of our doors. We've got very strict policies, etc. But people can come to the city and enjoy themselves and walk away and go, where wasn't I looked at by those people, by Liverpool people? And then I started looking. The sites that we've got are all city centres, so Temple Court, Water Street, this one that we're just about to launch on top of Gaucho here, which is our Fenwick Street site, um, Duke Street, Rodney Street, Bowl Street. And I looked at what the offerings were. So we've got a mid-range, we've got our higher range here. And then I started thinking about, really, I want that kind of midweek, those, you know, couples that want to come. Um, so I've just, we've acquired a site on Castle Street and we're doing, um, hopefully it'll be a four-star hotel there. With a restaurant as a hotel as a hotel yeah so because what frustrated me is that i'd have meetings in the city and people are coming here and i'd say where are you staying in manchester and i said well why would that be well i didn't really know if there's anything new in the city i said well you know you've got gorgeous hotels like the home sheet hotel those places but i think city center i think we we needed it and obviously we've just got the new m building the um gallery hotel which looks amazing and the new radisson one which is fabulous but I thought there's, there's kind of niches in the system where we can fill that gap. I, I know what you mean, because when I was on the road as a working comic and you yeah. were a young girl and I was doing 70,000 <laughs> miles a year, I didn't want to stay in hotels. No. I want to stay in a room like we're in now, which is beautiful, yeah. and I want to be there in my own space, yeah. not a hotel, yeah. my lounge. Yeah. And yes, you do hen and stags as well, Absolutely. Uh, which there is a need for, yeah. and a great deal of money comes yeah. into the city with but, them. But we so, do a lot of business yeah. people. Uh, precisely. Yeah. So I'm saying as a business person, mm -hmm. I wanted to stay in a place like this, yeah. not in a hotel room. Mm -hmm. I wanted a little cooker 
to make a Put cup of tea. And you, you know what I'm saying. And so there was a market. Your, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you'd be surprised how much we, we kind of, how much of the market we've got in terms of corporate midweek. There's a lot of business, a lot of people traveling to the city that want to stay here. They want that space. I want that space. I don't want to be cooped up in a yep. hotel room. Um, and we give that space and we create that space upstairs here. We've just done 10 apartments and they are absolutely stunning. Fabulous. Every single one of them different. The view is spectacular over towards the Liver Buildings. Great location. Walk around, stone throw away from Castle Street. And they will be based primarily at the kind of corporate market midweek and the higher ends of the sort of groups, you know, travelling, at, at, you know, over weekends. Um, we've been very lucky. We've worked with... Um, the council over Eurovision again when Eurovision came about um, my staff had phoned me and said we're getting all these bookings what what are we going to do I said we keep doing what we do the prices don't change we're open for business I will not raise these prices one penny because I want these people to walk, come to the city and say what value for money what a great city and we'll come back but also peace if you think about the wider business community the bars the pubs the the restaurants all of those the shops if you're coming to the city and you're paying the standard fees of, I don't know, £65 per person per night, you're going to go and spend in the wider business community. And that's going to be beneficial to us all. If you come and there was some stupid price of, crazy prices, £5,000 a night, you're going to feel quite aggrieved. And what is the longevity in that for this city? And this city counts to me. This city really counts. It's everything to me. The longevity is we show the world, look what we can do. Keep coming back with these big, massive events. We started off 2008. Yeah. And everybody in the city, and me as well, saying, not another hotel, not another <laughs> apartment. And yet we, we haven't got I enough. I know. We still haven't got enough, have I we? know, I know. And, and the thing is, I, I, um, I had a, a chat with Claire McColgan, and she was actually really lovely to me and said, you know, I was really delighted you put that statement out. And you know, about Eurovision and decided to do the right thing and many have followed and stuff. And it, it, I think it's fabulous. And next week we've got a lot of the artists actually staying in, in this building yeah. we're in now at the moment, So, which is going to be amazing, fabulous. Looking back now, mm. where you are... By the way, how's your son? He's great. He's, oh God, he's going to John Moore's Uni in September. He's amazing, yeah. And how's his life affected each day now? Well, it, it's... The treatment has come on so much. When he first got diagnosed with type 1, it was kind of needles, injections and all kinds of things. And now they have this, he has a sensor in his arm. He literally gets the phone, swipes the sensor. Um, they have a pump. He has a pump in his stomach. So it gives him that much more freedom. And, you know, years ago, it was very calorie count, carb counting. And it was very basic. But it, it, it's, yeah, it's, he's amazing. He's what great. about life in Liverpool? Mm. How do you think Liverpool's going? Where do you think it's going? Do you see any hiccups? Because without going into it, we had problems with the council. Uh, we've had lots of problems that have come and gone. We, we build and count and build and go up. But where I do think, you see I think historically going? over the last five years, there were issues that, um, you know, gave us a bit of a poor reputation again. And I think we just didn't need it. Um, I think there's great movement. I think there's been some fantastic appointments. I've looked at the appointments in detail of the people that are now coming to the city to make sure that our planning are going through on time. We had a real issue with getting planning through, and that was a problem. There was no one really making decisions at the council over the last couple of years, and it's been bad for business. I think we're going to see a change over the next years. I've spoken to a few people. I'm hopeful 
I really am hopeful. I think have we got issues that we need to deal with in the city? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there are some social, you know, economic issues that we've got to deal with. I think some of the things that happened over the summer months were horrific. But every city has those problems. Every city. Every city has those problems. And we can't just say, you know, we have got so many brilliant things about this city that we have to concentrate on the good. We really have to concentrate on the good. And it's, it's a bit like kids as well in school. Some of your kids are going to be academic. Some of your kids are going to be artistic. It's just channeling a route of success for them. And sometimes it's difficult. I mean, I, I, I actually have a little tracker on the phone for the three of my kids. I drive them mad. One of them's 27. I'm still tracking him. It's a case of I don't care. And I say to the kids, I don't care. You can be 40. I'm still going to track you. I need to know where you are. I want to know what you're doing. I'm going to ask you the hard questions. I'm going to ask you the hard questions. But I will have done my job, Pete. And tell us about the empire. How big is it now? Um, Okay, so we've got... That's the ninth hotel open in Liverpool. Um, We've got a company in Ibiza called I Stay Ibiza. And over there, we manage over 400 villas. And there's about 200 hotels signed up. We are planning expansion to other cities at the moment. We're looking at properties in Manchester over the water as well to look at. The global project is going to be the key one, really, for jobs for this city, which is the one I'm going to... You know, we've got about 40-odd people working for ICA Liverpool at the minute. The global booking platform will be magnificent. If this works the way we want it to work, Pete, and there's no reason why it shouldn't, because it's three to four years in the making, um... It's going to be really great for the city. And, and from a technology point of view, it's looking at... We look at Manchester. Manchester's got a really massive technology base, over £6 billion worth a year. £6 billion. When we looked at the technology in the city, we weren't even doing half a billion piece. We've got to catch up. We've got to look at but the But we've specifics. always been behind Manchester, haven't we? But we've we? got to be brave. We've yeah. got to be brave, Pete. We've got to be brave and say, do you know what? If that child is an academic but they want to get involved in, in a tech side of academia, let's let's push them towards that. Let's let's switch it up and make ch- changes to maybe the way that we look at children that are 15 and 16. Instead of just writing them off, let's push them towards what they are going to be able to achieve and what's going to be great for them. And I think we've got to be brave. We've got to go after the big um, sort of conferences that come to Manchester and all the other cities. We've got to go after everything like a dog with a bone, like an absolute dog with a bone. We need to be pushing. And for the kids, I think that we've got to be looking at ways to make sure all of our kids achieve what it is in their life that they want to achieve, you know. Um, there's loads of things that people from outside of the city, the old things that people were saying, oh, God, scouses and whatever and this and this. I don't listen anymore, Peter. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is seeing things happen in this city. It's, it's exciting. When do you see yourself retiring? I don't. I told my, No, no. I told my husband I was planning to do it and we're going to live on a hill in Ibiza. And he just looked at me and rolled his eyes and just thought... Here we go again. She's talking absolute rubbish. Because he knows. I'd go over there and say, right, well, let's turn this into a hotel. And what we're going to do is, and what we're going to do, even when we go on holiday, he says to me, Anne, you're going to sit down. And I'm like, yeah. And then five minutes later, he said, I'm on the phone and I'm doing this. And I say, right, okay, come on, let's go and have a look at this. Let's go and do this. And he's used to it. And I think um, my eldest, he, he, he was speaking to the ADHD Foundation. He realised he had ADHD stuff. And I had spoken to Tony Lloyd there. And he said, Anne, you've got classic symptoms. 
But he said, you know what? It's your superpower. Interesting. Remind everyone where you came from. Originally from Kirby. I was um, raised in Kirby. Then we moved to Magool. I've moved to the south end of Liverpool. I've been south end for many, many years. Um, Did you ever think in your wildest dreams, yes, you were going to be successful, but the way you went? I don't think about it each day. You know, sometimes my husband will go, he goes to me, you've done really well, look at you. But I don't stop and rest on that because you're only as good as the day you're in peace. You've got to do it all again tomorrow. No different than being on stage. Come off stage to a standing ovation, you go, yes, next day counts. Yeah. And I think if you sit there and sort of go, wow, look at me, I think that, you know, the ego can be detrimental. You know, your ego can get carried away and there's so much more to achieve, isn't there? And I don't want to stop, Peace. I really don't want to stop. I'm excited. It's just, I wake up at six o'clock every day. I fall asleep probably two or three o'clock. He goes to me, are you not sleeping? I'm working away because the excitement's there. You know, at 50 years of age, I feel like I've got the excitement of a 20-year-old. And to finish off, yeah. your advice to anyone listening mm. to this podcast with this amazing lady who is self-made and hasn't even started. What, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe has your dreams but mm. can't just cross that line? I think I was pragmatic in my, my approach. What I did with the hotels, I, I, I got in there with the cleaning contracts and I learned and I watched the way the operations work. Now, there isn't a job in those hotels that I haven't done and remains the same. This weekend, the girls have phoned me, this is broken or this toilet's blocked. Give me a bin bag, yeah. the hand's going. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in there that I won't do. You've got to be prepared to learn from the bottom up. But stick to that dream. Don't just think about it. And I see all this thing about manifesting and everything, and I'm all for it. But manifest it. But have some sort of plan of action. Give yourself a time limit. Give yourself a plan of action. Ask for help. Come knocking at doors. Knock at doors because you know what? There was one thing my mum did say years ago. Close mouths. Close mouths. Don't get fed. Tell everybody who you are again. My name's Anne Chambers, the director of I Stay Liverpool and I Stay Global. And how can they find out more about your company? Okay, so we've got an online presence, which is www.istayliverpool.com and istayglobal.com also, soon to be launched in the next three months, Liverpool's first global booking platform. You're a fascinating, attractive lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> i remind my husband of that later. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.